They don't care about your 900 years of combined experience or your wall of books. They only want to know one thing. Once they've signed on the dotted line, are you going to take care of them? Welcome to the Judge Shaw way, where we believe providing an exceptional client experience is just as important as quality legal representation. From secret tips for creating unforgettable wow moments to proven customer service pointers, the Judge Shaw way is everything you need to go from being a good lawyer to owning a great brand. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Judge Shaw. Today with me, Daniel Kramer, Kramer Trial Lawyers in Los Angeles. Dan, thanks so much for being on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great, here in person. Yeah, so parachuting behind enemy lines, right? Fighting Nazis, just on the German soil there. Your grandfather was instrumental in your life, huh? Yeah, I love it, man. Come out swinging. Yes, uh, he was, very much so. Used to... He was an old Southern trial lawyer. Yeah, North it, Carolina, right? North Carolina, Durham, North Carolina. Yeah, yeah that's where uh, my mom, you know, my both my parents are from North Carolina. But he was a, uh, grew up very poor in rural North Carolina, a town called Hamlet, like a train stop town. And no one went to college in his family. Gets drafted, goes to Europe, paratrooper. Used to tell us these amazing stories. Tell me I mean, one. Well, there was, uh, he had his platoon, he was in the army, and their assignment was to go blow up, essentially, a German satellite. Yeah. So, he's going, and, and it's, it's really cold. I mean, it's like November. They paratroop behind enemy, enemy lines. There's about eight of eight soldiers, and he's the, he was the captain, I think. They're there, and instead of, they found out where the satellite was. But instead of all of them going, they thought it'd be too many. He just decided to go by himself and then set it up to explode. And so he kind of makes his way through the field and goes up a stream so that they wouldn't see his footprints in the snow. And then he starts hearing all this German, yeah. like off yeah, in the distance, right. pretty close. So he ducks down and lays in the stream and it's like freezing cold and they're upstream. And then suddenly the water starts getting pretty warm. And he's like, oh, man, he's like, they're pissing on me, you know, because <laughs> they're peeing upstream, coming down. And he makes his way over there. He waits, waits it out, waits till they, uh, they're basically about to go to bed, straps all the, the explosive devices on the satellite and just books it out of there. He hears the explosion. His whole, his whole platoon thought he was dead because he was gone for like three days. Makes it back. Mission accomplished. I mean, he's in, in the way he, he would tell these stories in just this great old southern accent. Well, you know, a trial lawyer would. Right, it was just right, so right. powerful, just hanging on every word right. around the dinner table, and I just loved it. And then he would tell us stories about, you know, in the courtroom or dealing with clients and just... Yeah, he was a trial attorney. Yeah, yeah, he was. I mean, but he back then, you kind of had to do every... So he hung a shingle, oh, right. went to law school, went to Wake Forest Law School in undergrad on the GI Bill. Never would have gone to college without the GI Bill. Met my grandmother and just hung a shingle, like a, right out of law what school. A badass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. And I, mean, I, I read guy. that you still have his flag on yeah. your desk. Yeah, it's right, uh, right behind me in my office. They had four kids, and they, everyone decided to give it to me because you know I'm following his footsteps. I mean, the one thing I miss, you know, obviously the most is he passed away right when I was just about to start law school, so I didn't really get to have the. You right. Know, I, I would love to just get his advice on stuff now or like, how did he do jury? I'm just so curious. Like, how did he do jury selection? Yeah. How did he talk to juries? How would he handled 
a closing argument. Or, you know, it'd just be so interesting to hear that now. But we had so many great stories, so many great stories from him. And then, you know, after law school, you go on and you're doing defense work, right? Yeah. yeah. And the first time, I think I read, the first time you did a trial, it was like, wow, I found my passion <laughs> and my yeah. purpose in life, right? You just got like the bug. You just got hooked. Yeah. No, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. I remember when I was first picking a jury, I'd never even second chaired or set in on a trial before. And my boss, I was like begging for trials. I was 10 months out of law school after having passed the bar. And he's like, oh, you want a trial? Well, here you go. And it's like December 23rd, you know, right before I'm about to go to the East Coast. Dan Ambrose coming in to give uh, my man Dan. You you can have a beer on the podcast. Absolutely. Dan Ambrose. Bringing in a beer. This is the best. This is the number one podcast right here. Yeah. Dan Ambrose, Trial Lawyer University, bringing my guy Dan Yeah, what, a, what a, a great waiter, too. Wow. This is a full-service conference. This is. This is a full-service conference. This is, the, this is the best podcast I've ever done. So you went back, and you give me the trials. Give me yeah, trials. give me trials. Give me trials. And then he, he, I'm, I'm, we're about to go to North Carolina for Christmas. He's like, all right, here you go. Here's one that starts uh, January 3rd. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I didn't mean like that soon. Right, right. And he hands me, I didn't know anything about the case. He hands me the file, and I'm just like, okay, trying to figure it out. So the, all throughout, throughout Christmas, I'm just like, actually – Ironically, I was in my grandfather's office because we, we were at his house. He'd already passed away at that point, but I was like studying to like learn how to, because I was getting like the trial books, I forget, Moet or some, whoever the original trial textbook was. I was reading that, how to do this, and then lo- learning the case. And I go in there and I'm trying to be like, you know, I'm, I'm experienced, trying to, you know, like I'm not just brand new in my first trial. And I remember the judge was, brings in the, all the jurors, there's like 50 or 60 all sitting behind me. And he starts reading the list. He's like, does anyone know any of the witnesses? No one raised their hands. And does anyone know the attorneys? And does anyone know Dan Kramer? And then someone in the back's like, yeah, I know Dan. And I look back and it was like one of our old roommates from law school that none of us really got along with. I was like, oh, God, not him. Right. And then, right. And then uh, but then the judge is like, so how, how, how long you known him? Oh, uh, he, we lived together when he was in law school. Oh, how long ago was that? Eight months ago. I was like, oh, God, it totally blew my cover with these jurors. You know, I was trying to play it off like I'd been doing this for 10 years. But the one thing I would tell young attorneys, you can only say it's your first trial one time. And so use that if you're in trial and you you screw up or you make a mistake. Sorry, folks, it's my first time doing this. And, you know, jurors be like, oh, son, it's okay. We got you here. Don't worry. I think you should definitely use yeah, it. Yeah, but you, can. you went back and I think you you knocked out four or five in your first year or something. It's more more trials than somebody ten years of experience ever sees in the courtroom. Yeah, I was really lucky. So I, yeah, obviously I caught the trial bug, and then I wonder where that got, came from. Got, yeah, slowly got away from the defense attorney. I just wasn't my passion was definitely not in that after a few years. But yeah, they just started giving to me. They're like, here you go. And I was for it was really kind of circumstances were really lined up well because. It was a flat fee client. It was the auto club that we were doing defense cases for. So the partners were like, we're not making more money the more we bill. So we don't want to be out there doing the trials because that's not good for our right. Our it's not a good business model. So let's give it to this young attorney who can't bill much anyway. It's a flat fee. I was like, absolutely. This is amazing. Like, let me try every case you can. Super thankful for that. I mean, I, I had some great mentors there. I just kind of, you know, just lost. Uh, like I just it didn't feel good about really what I was doing after a few years. Now, uh, nothing against the whole defense. I have a lot of friends on the defense side. We love the trial, but it wasn't serving that purpose of like fighting for someone. Yeah, and and, and I was telling some making some people, a wrong right. Yeah, it was one trial where I defensed rear ender where the woman 
was it obviously wasn't a big case, but it was a defense verdict on her rear end where she actually went to the hospital. So they gave her nothing. And I remember, you know, celebrating, but then my, I talked to my mom about it and she's, you know, I was like, I, I just got another win. She's like, well, yeah, but what? So it was like a school teacher. She's like, do you really feel like that good about that? I mean, is that really justice? Because, you know, her attorney, which just wasn't that experienced, didn't really do the right th moves. And it's just like you, you won because this, but it was that really justice. And, and so it just, you know, and I just really got me thinking, like, is this really, really doing it for the right reasons? You know, really into this. And that it's like, and then found plaintiff's work 10 years ago and just love it. So you jump over to the plaintiff's side and what, I mean, the irony, right? in the first big case you land a world war ii veteran who lost his life in a truck accident case i mean talk about hitting home well I, it, so two months after we opened up shop didn't have any staff we had to do our own facts like, i mean literally everything as most anyone knows who starts their own firm and i get a call from a friend who whose grandmother's best friend lost her husband when a grocery truck just jammed it on a red light flipped over and landed on him and he was and so i got you know went and met with the family like got really close it was very obviously very intense dramatic i, I never really handled a plaintiff's case before and you know just she just reminded me so much of my grandmother and his story he reminded me so much of my grandfather you know just he was a pilot in world war ii and just great guy great family like you know kid like same amount of kids as my my family my mom had or my her siblings and but I didn't really know what to do. And this was too big for me to, you know, to really to take on on my own. So I actually called Rob Glassman, who is a partner at Panish's office. And we were, you know, really close friends from law school. We really cultivated that relationship. And I was like, look, man, I don't want to refer this. I want to learn and work on it and learn from your firm and learn from, you know, all you guys. And so we just teamed up and just kicked ass. I mean, we were we were going in X party every week, just hammering the defense. I mean, just every which way possible. We really wanted to try the case. I mean, we were both pretty very new. I mean, third year lawyers, and they just and thankfully Panish's office just let us let the two of us run with it. Like really, just just us manage the whole case, ten to twenty depots or something, and we just split all the work and we just did it together. It really was from our relationship in law school. And then that experience allowed me to start handling big cases on my own. But that's why I always recommend to younger attorneys, like if you, to really learn, it's just best to co-counsel. And I, I don't say that because I know, I used to hear that and say, oh, the, he just wants to get, get my case. But I think it's just, it's just a great way to do it. But insist that you take a part of the case and not just hand it off. Like you work on it and you work it with the attorney and, sit in on everything and then take your own stuff and make sure you're going to have a role because that's the best way to learn. And then I think you you whacked them for two point something million, right? Well, it was, uh, uh, it was millions. It was, it, was, it was a settlement. We settled right before trial. What, yeah. Uh, yeah, they weren't pissing downstream on you. <laughs> so, um, right? But that's the thing. You're an amazing storyteller, right? It's in your DNA. But you also need the skills. And you went out and constantly looked to continuously improve that, right? You took, you went into institutes, courses where you go away and understand trial, right? I mean, you're just a voracious studier of the art of the trial. 100%. And I, I think you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice if you don't do that. Um, it was kind of around 2014, so a couple years after we started our firm, I was just like, I really need to learn this because as much experience as I had trying cases, I was a third year lawyer, third or fourth year lawyer, lawyer, but my trial experience was like a 12th year, you know, or a 15th year lawyer, but my plaintiff experience was zero. 
I had no plenty of experience, so I really needed to because it's a total different way of thinking, as you know, we all know. I mean, the defense can just kind of throw some stuff up there. You have to get so creative on the plaintiff side on how you really do things. And so I just read all the books. I could listen to books on tape. There weren't really podcasts too much back then, but then decided to do Cala out here in LA has a trial academy, did that did Trojan horse, a bunch of Trojan horses, and then did the Jerry Spence trial lawyers. Yeah. College. That's you go away for that, right? Yeah. Like three two weeks, or three weeks, three yeah. weeks. Yeah. And in the know, ranch, in the ranch that you have to like uh, run up the hill to get any <laughs> cell service. Um, I just met my wife, my now wife at the time too. And we were just having, you know, that, that early romance. And I was like, I have to go to this ranch for, for three weeks or like a month. She's like, what, what are you doing there? Yeah. But it's funny though, because you know, like the ranch really gets you the psychodrama side of it to really get you into the emotions yeah, in the case, the in your human, own, in your yeah. own stuff. I'd never done anything like that. Like the I was human like, psychology. The, I was like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Doing your own work. And I just, but came back and I was, she said, I was just the nicest, sweetest, like so compassionate and loving and then hardened over time. So she wants to send me back to that Institute <laughs> Go back know, to ranch. once a year, at least to soften up a bit. But that's what I found at the conferences, even where we're at right now, right with the, I mean, Panache and the team and, and the Morgan crew. I mean, just it's paying it forward, you know, Daryl and all of you, including you just constantly giving back to make the plaintiff's bar better. A hundred percent because, because we, I, I mean, you can talk to any, everyone here that from the top, you know, Panish, Dodd, Mitnick, I mean, they will say they got a lot of help. Right. You know, from, and, and, and it's great when you hear their stories about their people, they looked their up mentor, to. Their right? mentor, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mo, the Mo Levines, those guys. So it's all about paying it forward and just helping younger lawyers and just really just giving your time not to try to get something in return, just to really help their skills, yeah. you know, because all boats rise. And I'm a big believer that when someone else gets a big verdict for a righteous case, it helps us get better off. The more we work it together, the better trial lawyers we are. And we don't dump cases or, or settle cases for not full value because we're scared of trial. I mean, this, this prevents that. This gets people on, on their feet. That's why I love, I taught my first breakout group yesterday and it was just so fun. I'm mean, so interesting to work on other people's cases and try to help them craft their story getting people on their feet. I mean, it's just it's so, so fun. So rewarding to see people, you know, really see it click, you know, when they, when they really feel comfortable up there. What did it mean to be invited at the American trial advocates? Youngest, I think the youngest member invited, I, Oboda. Yeah. yeah. American board of trial. Yeah. yeah. No, it's great. I mean, Oboda is what an honor. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, that, since then, there's been younger people who have now made it. So I, I, I can't claim that anymore. You, you but can't get that now. No, you can't. can't. Yeah, all right. yeah, I'm just an old dude. Right <laughs> um, but it's, it, I mean, it's a great group. It really is. I mean, it's, uh, it's you know, very influential with the judge. The judiciary really, really respects us. And then it's plaintiff and defense. So it's all about civility and working together. And, and we do a lot of good work with the community, too. Um, I'm working with Raul to try to put together a program where, we go to disadvantaged areas of LA and kind of showcase for these students, one, the diversity in the law, which is great that there's more divert, more women, more people of color and, and, and that, that are actually trial lawyers. And so you go to these communities and, and you want to show them, Hey, this could be you. And there's no reason it can't be. And, you know, so, so we want to, and we also want to show them the, the importance of the jury system and the right to a trial by jury. So I think it's important to, to, to educate the young and high school students that if we lose that, that right, a lot of other rights can go away because it's the only system in the world and the only way we can hold corrupt politicians accountable. We can bring giant corporations to their knees. You know, it's just, 
it's truly the most, the epitome of democracy is the jury system and we can't lose it. We can't take it for granted. And so I think showing that to the younger generation is very, very important. One of my um, core values at the company is be chivalrous to each other and to our communities. And you're a chivalrous guy. You, you uh, do a lot of charity work. Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, 2006, a few plaintiff lawyers started Los Angeles Trial Lawyers Charities where we raise money, do put on a bunch of different volunteer events to give back to the community because there really was no avenue for that that trial lawyers were seeing. I mean, we do a lot in the in the courtroom, but trial lawyers, I feel like on the plaintiff side, have the biggest hearts of any attorneys out there. And we wanted that avenue for how can we give back our time and money to the community that we that we serve that needs it the most. And so, you know, it started out pretty small, you know, donating like 30,000 a year or something like that. And today it's almost 6 million we've donated back to the community and just lots of our time. And it's some of the best trial lawyers are just volunteering weekends and, you know, going to homeless shelters or, you know, building adaptive bicycles for children with disabilities and, you know, so they can ride bikes with their friends and their siblings. So it's a great organization. It's just, it just reinforces just the great people trial lawyers are and that whole the insurance industry has done for decades is just try to paint us as just greedy ambulance chasers. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Of course, there's bad apples, there's bad apples in every industry, but it's just not true. I mean, these like, like, like we are really fighting for people's rights and that's just that whole perception and image that they've tried to portray of us is just, it, we just need to change that. I think this is a way you start changing on a grassroots level, changing people's minds and showing who we really And the are. irony of, of the carrier who's as a contract, that insurance agreement is a contract, right? And when they're insured needs the most, they bail. You're in good hands. Yeah, good neighbor. We got you, a good neighbor. And, you know, we're there when you need us. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you take the premium, but you're not there at all. Yeah, it's all the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they plug our clients into Colossus or whatever equation. They're like, oh, your knee injury is worth $47,000, 67000 Yeah, yeah, yeah. They take the people for me on Congratulations on uh, the new addition to the family. Thanks. Yeah, we have our baby daughter, Isabella. She's uh, five months old now. Yeah, I, I yeah. love how you light up. You know, you light up <laughs> twice here. Well, uh, three times. First, when we talk about your grandfather. Second, when you get a beer. And third, when you talk about your, your new addition. You have two, right? Yeah, I have two. Yeah, we have a, a, a son, Connor, who is two years, eight months or so. Um, and Isabella, I mean, they're just so fun. I mean, he's, he's the wild one. Shockingly, she sleeps through the night, starts sleeping the night at like two months. And our son is still just, he just loves, he just loves life, loves being awake, loves doing everything. So he's, he's still not really sleeping great, but it's so fun. Has fatherhood changed you in your work? Yes. Yes. That's a really good question because I had, you force yourself to become more efficient with your time because. I hate to admit it, but, you know, before kids, you can spend a lot of time, like, screwing around the internet or just, you know, oh, I'll get to that later, procrastinating. But now, all that time you, you're you wasting at work or not finishing things, just time away from the family and, you know, and just it, it's tough when you have to work late and you miss the kids or they already gone to bed. Like, you've lost, lost a whole day of them. And, and that's, I, I hate that because I love spending so much time with them and my wife. And so I've just definitely learned how to be just so much more efficient with my time and how I budget it and how I balance it. That almost happened right away. I remember as soon as my son was born, I kind of just noticed this change in me and I was just able to do things quicker, better. I feel like, you know, more, more efficient. efficient. Yeah. 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 So uh, Atlanta. Yeah. Big fan. Yeah, man. Huge Go fan. Braves, world champs. Right. And that's where you grew up. 
Yeah. So yeah, born there, Northside Hospital. Uh, my sister and I were born there, and we moved to the Bay Area. When I was around seven. So I, I was young, but man, I are I, the what, kids wearing like uh, brave onesies? Oh no, and... Yeah, of course, man. Come on, <laughs> kind of questions that they're definitely not wearing Dodger stuff. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, diehard Braves last year was magical, obviously. But yeah, when I when I moved out to the Bay Area from the South, man, I had like a rat tail and like real just Southern kid. I remember having to get it cut in San Francisco, and I was just really sad about my rat tail. Dan, Jimmy's out there somewhere. He's a newer lawyer. He's, uh, you know, somewhere in the firm. He's got a settlement. He knows it's not the right number, but he just doesn't have the skill set to do it. How does somebody like Jimmy, in your opinion, start to get into not being afraid of a trial and getting in that courtroom? I was talking to some people earlier about this because they had a similar question, and I think it's getting on your feet, right? It's just feeling comfortable in your own skin, making the courtroom like your office. And I think the best way to do that is honestly focus groups. And nowadays with Craigslist, oh, Craigslist has been around for a while. It's not like a new thing, but you can do it for cheap. Even if the case isn't really a big seven figure case, we do it on cases all the time. We have our, you know, my secretary, she just posts on Craigslist, get a few questionnaires, you know, pays $20, $25 an hour, have them come in. You do some voir dire work. You do an opening statement, maybe have a defense opening do a direct and cross your client, have someone cross. But I think doing that as much as possible is really going to make you feel comfortable. And I think for the younger attorney out there, if they work at a firm, you should be able to convince your boss or the handling attorney how valuable it is, not only for their skills, but for the case. It's a case cost. Um, It really helps you narrow down your issues and your theories and really gets good feedback. And it's not that expensive. And I think if you have a way you want to present it so that it's helpful to the firm, then they should pay for it and they should do it. And you should try to do them once a month at least. I know Claggett does it once a week, but as much as you can do it, I think if you're a young attorney convincing your boss to do that, it just gets you up on your feet as much as possible. And reputation. I mean, you tell the firm, the carrier is, they're tracking that. They know that minute you take that settlement, it meant you were afraid to go to trial. And that was the biggest thing. When I was on the defense side, when we would do the monthly or every two weeks round table with the managers, the adjusters at the auto club, they would always say that they they like look down. They had the like it was one sheet with all the facts, and then like who's the attorney? And they would always say, "Oh, he won't try it," or shoot, or you know, they'll they'll bail last minute. So let's just keep stay at our offer. They're gonna bail. But then if it's someone who's gonna like he'll, he's gonna try he or she's gonna try the case. So we need to take it seriously. Yeah, offer more money. But it, it, it oftentimes came down to that, not the merits necessarily. I mean, the merits obviously they you, you have to go through. It's risk. The carriers in the business for risk. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And they're like, this this guy will hit. And, and honestly, I think I lost a case in a, an employment case last year. I think it was one of my first one first. It was devastating, obviously, but that loss actually we tried a really good case. It was just these employment verdict form. I mean, it was tough. It was tough. And right after I had tried the case against a lawyer who was uh, related to another lawyer I had on a big case that was going to go to trial. As soon as I lost that a month later, or like a few weeks later, they ended up paying me six and a half million bucks because they had, they knew I was going to, I would go all the way and I don't, you know, and I would do a good job win or lose. But I think just being in the courtroom and letting them know you try a case. I mean, the wins are great, but you learn more from losses, and it's not going to hurt your reputation. Right. You, if you lose it, you know, then they know you're still going to – you're at a risk that you could take it to trial. They're gonna, you're going to go to the mat. Exactly, on a risky case. On a risky I, and, case. And I knew it was a very losable case, but I was like, screw it. Let's do it. 
and that shows even more. I love the focus group idea. I remember when we were first into it, I had like one lawyer had her husband, another one had the mother. Like I went around to my staff. I'm like, do you have any family or friends? I didn't even have the 20 bucks to pay everybody. I was like, do you, can you get somebody, family or friend? And it was like six people and it was like, you know, and I'm doing it like I don't know them. And meanwhile, it's like my chief operating officer's, you know, sister or whatever. No, yeah. and, well, and that's another thing that we, we actually did start to do as well is we started to do uh, on the Fridays. We used to do like firm case meeting, but we're like, okay, we do enough of the meetings. Let's turn it into just mock jury. And we would all just the staff for like 30, 45 minutes would just play a juror and the young associates would get up and just, just practice getting up there and doing voir dire. And, you know, there's only so many answers jurors are really going to give. And you can, you know, the focus group can give you that. And it's just really, how do you, how do you handle a really tough response? Right. And just sitting with it, making, being comfortable with it. Cause when you're a younger attorney, that's the scariest thing in jury selection. You get a, like, someone's like, I don't believe in pain and suffering. I don't trust you. I, I, I think all, you seem like an ambulance chaser. Like, what do you do with that? And I think it's just being comfortable enough to say, well, thank you for your, I'd like to thank them, you know, for being, I appreciate you being honest. I mean, that, that hits, but I, this is what I asked for. I asked for you to be honest with me and you did it. I thank you for that. Does anyone else kind of feel that way a little bit? And please tell me, I, you know, I can take it. And so you just take that and then you, you haven't gotten an argument. I think in my first few trials, I would get defensive or try to make excuses or whatever. It's the fact of that response that's not akin to what they would have expected. Exactly. You go, wait, maybe, maybe, this is, maybe I'm thinking wrong about this. Maybe you're thinking wrong, but it also it, it invites the others to open up as well because you're like, he's not going to shut me down or get defensive because you do that anywhere else outside of life, people are going to get defensive. I mean, it's just the natural human, but to take it and then honor it and then anyone else kind of feel that way and it's important we know this now you gain credibility that way and you also find out good data and good information from the rest of the jurors dan your grandfather would be so goddamn <laughs> proud of you man oh man i don't know yeah he would i don't know if he'd be too stoked on me having this beer right now hey when I'm listen doing a podcast. He, he's still stoked that you're the fact <laughs> that you're talking in the way leading other trial attorneys and paying it for just like he did absolutely and any younger attorney out there you better pay it forward because we all got the gift from other people and can never do this alone how do people get in touch with you dan yeah, they can, uh, they can email me at dkramer at kramerlaw.com. Our website's www.kramerlaw.com. We're in, just moved to offices in Westwood, but we do cases throughout the state. I'd say Dan Kramer, a rising star, but I think that star is risen. You are a legend in what we do, and I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate you doing this, man. This is, doing this kind of stuff really is what helps us all is doing these podcasts. I, I listen to a lot of them. I listen to yours. I mean, it really does. It's education. And just hearing, and also hearing the human story behind, because we can all relate. And we all, you know, when you're young, you get scared. And you're like, oh, well, he went through that or she went through that. And so it's not, so, I, I can do that, you know, and anyone can do it. Absolutely anyone can do this. Yeah. Dan, thanks for coming yeah, on, man. man. Thank you. I greatly appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah. Thanks. Are you ready to take the next step to creating an unforgettable brand? Subscribe to The Judge Shaw Way in your favorite podcast app and join the conversation on social media at Judge Shaw Injury Law. Have topic suggestions or questions? Email us at podcast at judshawinjurylaw.com and be sure to include an address where we can send you some cool swag. Attorney advertising materials. This podcast is designed for general information purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as legal advice for an individual case or situation. This information is not intended to create, and viewing does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No aspect of this advertisement has been approved by the Supreme Court. 
Any results set forth herein are based upon the facts of that particular case and do not represent a promise or guarantee. Those with legal questions should seek the advice of an attorney.